All right. Hello. I think we're live. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hopefully, everyone's doing well. Thank you for joining us. Um, now, today is going to be an interesting topic because we're going to be dissecting how to go about creating more opportunities, finding unadvertised job openings, and securing more interviews. Now, Stephen, first things first. This, you know, this whole process of the job thing. Would you say that this is probably the most challenging bit or, or you know the the one that probably needs most attention because especially at a time like this you know people are really going to have to find more ways to separate themselves um yeah good good bit. question so the the first two that we've done we talked about how to get your cv in the right position and your portfolio and so if you think of them as two polished articles now that you perfected the next bit really is how do you get that out there how do you take up how do you how do you go and look in the wide world and reach out to employers so that they can see your portfolio see your cv and invite you for interviews because with all the greatest things a cv by itself you need to you need to make employers aware of who you are what you're about go out there and show them who you are and employers are not necessarily going to come straight to you, especially right now, for instance, where we don't have end of year exhibitions and we were all in a kind of a situation such as COVID that actually you almost need to double the effort to reach out to these employers to make, to make them aware of who you are and all of the skills that you that you have. Excellent. That's my thoughts. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we get into it and actually you know dissect the whole process? So let's say you know you're a graduate, you you you've been watching our you know our wonderful panels, you've got an idea of how to produce an excellent CV, an eye-watering, you know, portfolio that's gonna make any employer jump at it. But in terms of the process, let's begin at the beginning. Okay, so you're looking for a job. Now job boards. This is the first one I'm going to go to use you guys for. Um, why don't we talk about job boards and, you know, what are the benefits and what are the negatives, you know, what they're good for, what they're not good for. Um, so what, what are your thoughts to start with on the, on the job boards? So for me, the job board, the job board is going to be, it's, it's the thing that people look to straight away. Okay. It's very easy, for instance, in architecture, load up design jobs and look for one or two part one, part two graduate positions. There's going to be less of them. The thing is, though, everyone is the first thing people think of when they're looking for jobs to go for a job board. So my issue is that jobs that are posted on job boards are going to have they're going to be highly competitive because what you're doing is you're going against a lot of people because it's very, very easy to find. Therefore, the chances of you actually securing the interview are going to be lower. And then also, if you do get an interview, you're probably going to be up against 5, 10, maybe even 15 to 20 people. So if you boil it down like a funnel effect, right, you've got your application. There's loads of them. So the chances of you getting to the next step and being picked are lower, then you've got more people you're competing against. So the probability of you getting this job is slower. Let's say it's a few percent, whereas... If you found an architectural practice and which is listed on Google and it was down the road from you and you loaded up their website and you found on there a directum and you wrote a custom simple message saying to the director that you are looking, here's the CV and portfolio, that role, there might be a role there, but there might be not, okay? 
But if there is a role there, you're the person who has found it because it's not advertised online. So currently, your chances are one-to-one, that you know there's a role there and you know there's an opportunity. And maybe they've got two or three CVs compared to 50, right? So the chances are much, much higher. And also, because you've gone out of your way and you've sent a personalized message and say now you even contact them, you follow up afterwards and you ring, then basically you're making a fantastic impression. You were standing out in the crowd compared to one application on 200 applications on Dizine. But what do you think, Will, about job boards and speaking in person? I think the job boards itself is the easiest but least effective way of uh, landing yourself a job. The whole idea of um, applying for jobs in the first place is so that you get the job. And to do that, you've got to put the odds in your favor. And by using websites like Career Structure or Dazine, you know, it's easy to apply, which again makes it very popular to do so. And so, therefore, you're always up against so many people, as Steve was saying. So, it's always best, like, you feel free to apply to them, but we, you should, rather than waiting uh, and being not necessarily lazy, but you're being passive, you're passively searching by waiting for them mm. to come back to you, it's best to be a bit proactive. And the best way to do that is by going directly to websites, whether or not, uh, as in like, uh, architecture studios whether or not they're advertising for a role or anything like that is by sending a personalized message you stand out might be two other people who have the same idea but a one in three chance is much better than a one in 100 200 chance um yeah do you know what as well jack you might like this i read a, a study and uh, i think it was that on average only 20 percent of jobs vacancies are advertised and you have to remember as well when if you're a business and you're advertising to pay, to to put your post on a job board usually costs money so by going direct to an employer that you're you you you're going straight to the source and sometimes and i think we touched upon it when in our one of one of our zoom chats last week sometimes you can send the cv into the inbox and it could be on the, in there on a monday and the director on a Tuesday could be speaking to their colleague and could go, they could be like, Jeff, I really need someone from my team. And what Jeff will do is he'll go, hang on, I think I got a few people in my inbox from yesterday. Why don't you have a quick look at who's there? And if you like anyone, you'll get them in. And what you're doing then is you're going straight to the source and you're getting in at the front. You've basically give yourself a massive opportunity, a massive window to get in there before everyone else. And I think in life, early bird catches the worm. Because if you're at the front of the queue and you make a positive impression, you come across well, personal, well, the CV, the portfolio, read well, and in the interview, you're okay. What you're doing is you're seizing the opportunity. And that's what I really wanted to get across in this session is, once you got the CV and portfolio, to me, when I was a part one, I sent my CV because it was recession. It was 2009. So I sent my CV out to, I think it was 850 companies, give or take. And from that, I had about 10, 10 interviews and I had a lot of rejection. And rejection is part of the process. It's good for feedback and it will happen. The thing is, is that, 
if you're getting rejection, you're learning from it, you're going towards the goal, that is good. And, and by creating more opportunity, you've had more chances, you've seen practices, you've, you've learned from it. Whereas I worry if you almost sit back and you wait for a job to a board to post a job, the, um, the, 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 the rejection rate's always going to be the same, right? Because architecture like anything else is competitive but because you're waiting so long for these adverts you're basically you might have one interview two interviews three interviews every month and the first few are rejected and you hopefully get some feedback but this process is going to take you a few months whereas if you if you go online and you basically find out um you you go through companies you speak to people and you you find uncharted and off the beaten track opportunities, you can get more interviews, hopefully get more comparison, learn more and improve your interview technique. And you can hopefully get a, get a job quicker. Whereas if you're waiting on one or two adverts to be posted, I fear that you've not taken control of the situation and therefore there is no guarantee that there's no... You basically, it could go on and on and on. Whereas the more you seize the moment, the more you go out there, the more you apply, the more you learn about the companies, the more you write to the directors and the more you follow up and you call and you get feedback and you speak to them as a person, then the chances are increasing that you're going to get a job quicker. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that, um, you know, when you're on the zine looking for a job, there's 500 other architects with a very similar background to you who are also applying to exactly the same roles as you are. So you're always competing up against the same people all the time. And whilst, yes, you could be the best out of those 500 or so people, it's much easier to, you know, better your odds by going and finding these jobs that aren't advertised there because then suddenly you're not competing against those 500 people you're only competing against a few select people yeah. who've decided to follow suit as well um you can say something steve yeah no it's more adding to your point and and to think out loud the there used to be a few lists of architecture practices on rebang well personally if there's no lifts right now, it's almost an advantage. So if I was currently job seeking, what I would do is I would start looking at companies near to where I live. And then I would slowly move out the search. You so it's and then what I would go on Google, I would literally type architecture practices. I would go look online at companies you're familiar with, anyone that's won an award, and I would start finding out, finding out and looking at the news. And all that, all these companies, and then I would go on their website, click them on Google, look at the uh, the company, find the director's name, and write a little bit of a custom email. On it. You don't need to change the cover and letter huge amounts and and go into uh, the detail, but maybe the first sentence or two you customize and you you do it to them, and then you talk about why you who you are what you're about, where you're at, and why you're interested. So who, what, where, when, why, so they know who you are. You don't need to write an essay on where to go to one company. You have to get the maximum. Uh, you, 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 you have to get the balance between efficiency on time and being personalized. So you'd go, dear Tom, I'm really interested in Tom Smith's architecture practice. You are quite close to me. I am currently available. And da 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 would be very interested to hear from you. 
bit personalized, a little a sentence or two at the top of why you're interested. Um, I'm down the road. Uh, I've looked at the website and I and uh, and I really am interested in the work that you've done and the, and the team. I would love to meet you, uh, talk to you uh, in an interview, something like that. And then you say, I'm a part two student, currently available immediately with a two one. I know Revit. I've got software. Blah blah blah. Here's a CV and portfolio to get that interview. And then I would call them up in two or three days. I would put all this as an Excel sheet, and this is almost like your own version of you're making your own job board. You're making your own matrix. You're making uh, your own approach to and making opportunities which were not there. You're making something that is not on job boards. You you are basically building up your web of information, your knowledge of architecture practices, and you're getting out there. And then also, when you speak to these companies, they might not have a job for you, but you know what? If you give them a call and you're really nice, you go, it would be great to have a little bit of feedback. And so what you're doing in all this is you get, you're creating more opportunities, hopefully more interviews and more chances for feedback Compared to if you're waiting for a job board, the chances are the reason why we get involved as recruitment consultants is that sometimes when your job's posted, the the company will get inundated with CVs which aren't relevant, uh, candidates which are not right for the role or not actually physically able to work in London. Therefore, they get overwhelmed. And so what you're doing, if you go into the source and you're, you're approaching someone on their website and you send a nice email and it goes straight to the director, then that's easy, isn't it? It's really to the point. They see your CV and portfolio. It's come into the inbox. It's for the attention of the director. Brilliant. I think as well, like uh, on some websites, a lot of companies, architecture practices, they don't they don't um, always keep their website up to date. So, right. for example, there might be there might be an advertisement for a part one, part two, but it might be an out of date one, or there might not be anything there. But they are actually looking for a part one, part two. And I think as well, like some websites would be saying, "Oh, not currently recruiting at the moment." But I, because of this reason, I always think it's still worth applying. Well, not applying, but still worth making contact just to mm. see if there's anything there. Because I've worked with a couple of studios before who have advertised for a particular role on the website, you know, and, um, but they're actually not looking for that. They're actually looking for something else. Uh, it's just the fact they've not got around to updating the website because, um, you know, these practices, they're very busy. They've got projects to do. They might not have a dedicated person to update the website, particularly if it's a smaller studio. So it's always worth going out, being proactive and just seeing, you know, saying hi and see Absolutely. if there's anything uh, available for you to help out with. And I think as well with Steve saying about you, you start by distance. That's the best thing, particularly now uh, in this current climate at the moment. Because if you're just down the road, then that immediately eliminates any, you know, the fact that you have to don't have to go on public transport, for example, which is a huge advantage. And you can pop in the studio quite easily, which is quite good considering, you know, a lot of people, a lot of architects are working remotely at the moment. So it'd be nice to have someone that can go into the studio every now and then. So that's why the distance search is probably the best way to start with. And then you branch out into other avenues later on. I think that if you send a nice, uh, clear, not too long, not too short email with a receiving portfolio. No one will ever tell you you shouldn't have done that. It will always be welcome. The worst case scenario is they don't reply. Okay. 
that they and, and what you typically find is sometimes they they will say uh, they don't have a role right now, but thank you very much. And uh, and then I remember I was looking back and uh, only a handful of companies, but what they did do is they went, we don't have a role, but I really like the CV and portfolio. And that was a really nice confidence boost. That really meant a lot to me at the time because taking that information on board, it almost fueled your fire to keep going. And, you know, at, I remember I was a bit shy back then. I don't know if you can imagine it, but it was a scary idea to to call. And it did make a big difference because you almost feel, you almost feel like, oh my gosh, I can't call. And as long as you're not too long on the phone as long as you're friendly and to the point it will always be welcome i think they, they always say if, they, if they're too busy or but if you're quick enough and you're efficient you're almost helping them because you're basically make if you've got this skill set to aware and you can help out then an employer is always going to welcome that cv and portfolio and um I think the best way is direct. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting point there, just to add on the, you know, when you're talking about calling people up as well and and, and approaching employees directly, I suppose it works for both that and the jobs board. A lot of these employers, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they will sometimes might even use a piece of software to look through your CV. You know, if they've got, if they put a job online um, and like you said, they've got a huge flux of um, influx of applications, they might use a system where they can sort of look up, you know, certain terms within someone's CV or portfolio if they're looking for a specific software skill like Revit, for example. Um, So do you think people will benefit by using, it goes back into CV a bit, but, you know, thinking about that sort of um, perspective from their end, do you think it's important for them to include these key technical terms so that if employers are just, you know, searching their CV or portfolio using software, you know, it's a bit more relevant to what they're looking for? Um, I generally find that a a small to medium or even large architectural practice will not use that software. But what they will do is that they will get sent loads of emails and you need to make it really, it's a really good point you're on about, Jack, because like compared to a big company where they can use algorithms to find stuff, in this, a typical architecture practice won't. A job board will, and the job board will suggest stuff, but the most effective way is to go direct to an employer and say, I am Stephen Drew, or I am Will Ridgeway, I am Jack Moran, and then in the email title, part one, architectural assistant, available immediately. CV and portfolio attached. If you say that, then you're doing what you're talking about, and you're basically saying to them, so that they can pick up straight away in the title of the email, the agenda. And that is really important. So you are right when you're on about keywords. I don't think they were using systems. So what we've got to do is we've got to tap into how to, uh, to, to grab their attention. So key things would be for me, thinking out loud, your name, of course, and then also in your CV and portfolio files, have them your name on it. But then you want key buzzwords uh, which are relevant on the title. So, part one, architect's assistant, available immediately with a two one, and Revit, or one year industry experience. You know, and then and then the, in the email, it's going to be one or two paragraphs, not too long. And but also not too short. You want to get just enough of the key information so that 
someone who's busy can pick it up without waffling on too much. No one needs to know about your dream concepts and of um of where you want to take Arctic in 20 further years. They're not going to pick that up from the cover letter. They want they want to understand who you are, what you're about, part two uh, or part one, that you're available immediately, you're based in London, that you uh, you scored a two-one in design. And you're passionate about architecture and you would like to tell them about your interests in an interview. Please find attached CV and portfolio. Enticing, getting people interested. You what you don't want is a big two-page thing in an email where which where everyone just switches off. But what do you think, Will? Yeah, I would automatically switch off if it's a big lengthy um, like paragraphs upon paragraphs of uh, words because um you know i'm very busy and so it's important to quickly be able to get straight to the point know exactly what the point of the email is quickly quickly digest the information and then make a decision very quickly whether or not i want to either continue reading or um you know or uh, you know pick up the phone and give them a call so yeah. it's got to be straight to the point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go too much further than a few lines uh, on the email. Just to be straight to the point, and then because um, what I tend to do is I'll you know I'll quickly have a quick look through the CV and portfolio, and then make a decision there very quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've not really got too much more to add to that. Uh, but yeah, just make it make it e- make it easy for them with the keywords uh, in the subject heading. The subject heading doesn't have to make sense, as in like a sentence. Just like the keywords. Part one architecture assistant down the road from the studio or something like that. Whatever you think would make you a someone that would stand out in front of other people, like your one year of industry experience or mm. particular software that you know the studio uses. Um, so, or even if you've worked in, if it's a niche sector, maybe this particular studio focuses on the transport sector, you can be like, one year of transport experience because you've worked previously at another studio who's done very similar or a competitor. So I think that'd be the best way to basically sell yourself. It's all about making yourself shine. Yeah. And so I think that's useful. The other bit I'd like to touch on is that the best person to help yourself right now is you, you know, especially if you're at a graduate level in particular, because recruitment consultants are used when they've got a particular task and they are looking for something in particular. So it might be that they are looking for a BIM coordinator. So if you're a part one architectural system graduate, the best thing to do is to go to the employers directly. And this is the same thing with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a tool, but just because you're on there, it doesn't mean an opportunity is going to come your way. And a recruitment consultant might help a little bit. Uh, they might be busy on a particular task. So the best thing that you can do in your current situation is to take your CV, your portfolio, and this kind of attitude that we're on about of finding stuff and approaching people in a pleasant capacity to create opportunities for you. That is going to, in my opinion, maximize the highest outcome but uh yeah that i mean that's that's kind of my thoughts on it have we got one or two questions that have come in as well jack can i can i quickly just add to what steve is saying just to stay on that general topic so with with i was to go on a job search uh don't worry steve i'm not but if i was to go on a job search i would focus (laughs) i'd focus largely 
on uh, being proactive, but have something passive in the background. So I have my CV uploaded to a job site. I'll have my LinkedIn profile up to date in case anyone were to contact me, but I shouldn't be relying upon those factors. I should be going out there and um, making those opportunities. It's, it's all right applying for a couple of jobs on LinkedIn, but at the same time, those jobs are limited. Whereas whilst there are, of course, a limited number of practices you can apply to, there are still hundreds and hundreds you can do so. And it's unlikely um, for anyone really to get through every single practice in the UK. So essentially, you create yourself a list and you just go through and create opportunities by going out and going straight to these practices uh, directly rather than necessarily waiting for them to come to you. So the focus should be on being proactive, but have something mm. passive in the background so that uh, if anything does come to you, great, you know, it makes it easy for you. Yeah, Excellent. well said. And that, that point of LinkedIn, I think we're going to dive into a bit further just after these questions. Um, but the first one comes in from Mugiha, who's saying that if you've sent over your you know, profile to a company or practice and they're saying they don't have any roles at the time um do you think it's still worth calling them up and asking for feedback um if i could just you know put in my two uh two cents here i definitely think it is because um one you know if you do call someone up and say you know look i, I really appreciate you getting back to me and just telling me that there's no roles um just out of curiosity or to help me in my search um is there anything you think i could have done better is there anything you know that i um that was a bit weak on my profile uh, i don't always expect a reply you know because they might be swamped in work they might not always do it but what they'll see is a mature attitude towards your job search and an indicator that you want to take it seriously so even if you're not going to get anything from that conversation your attitude might reflect and Stephen will tell you as well you know if you're applying for a bunch of places don't be surprised it's in a couple months down the line as you know things hopefully mm. start to pick back up that you actually start getting flooded with calls um the graph that you're putting in now might not you know reflect until a month or two um later um but what do you think Stephen? You, you, you're, you're i think it's perfect i mean i couldn't have said it better myself so I, I i think you were bang on there mate so that would be i think i think that's the thing that they might return to it later and it comes across really well so i don't think i can answer it even better that's perfect it's yeah. it's, just, it's just going out there and doing it and doing it and learning and learning and improving and improving which is going to get there and i think it goes to um the other thing i was going to mention with what we was talking about earlier i think that the linkedin is almost complementary or like the link it linkedin you should think of it as a backup but if you psychologically think that you that a job opportunity is not probably not probably not going to come from it then i think that's a healthier mind frame to have and if something comes from it it's a bonus whereas statistically i think the best thing to do is to go out there i mean if you do know someone as well in the industry that can be an advantage if you can get a reference from them or perhaps maybe they can get you an interview i never had that luxury so i had to go out there and volume but obviously if you know someone as a first protocol that can be a powerful tool because there's nothing like a reference from someone they know yes but, yeah. I, I agree and also i think um Particularly as well, if you've got your other friends uh, who are also part ones, maybe they've just got themselves a job somewhere um, and they even know that the practice is hiring or just even refer you over there. That's going to help you massively because, you know, it's all about building those connections. And that's one of the good things 
that I would say LinkedIn is good at in terms of building connections, but it's something that's going to be a bit more important down the line in the future of your career when you have that, when you're a bit more known, when you've got more, um, when you've worked on more projects, you've worked at more studios. Whereas at the beginning of your at the beginning of your search as a part one, it's unlikely that anyone really is going to call you up. You've got to make a name for yourself um, at the beginning rather than necessarily wait around. Yeah. Excellent. And um, just following on with the questions, uh, we've had a question coming from Roshni um, suggesting if we do a cover letter as an attachment or, you know, just typing it up in the emails. Um, we have covered a little bit of this topic in our previous workshops. Uh, what I can do is I'll make another status just reminding people of where they can find those videos because uh, they are really helpful for anyone who is, you know, still uh, making any adjustments to their CV or portfolio. Uh, regards to the question, though, I think the sort of general consensus from Stephen as well was that, you know, in the body of an email, a short some very short summary of you know what what type of architecture you are what it is you're looking for what skills you have uh, what software you have you got to realize that you don't want to make it too bulky otherwise you're no one wants to read a, a huge email get to the stuff that they require i think the big yeah. thing Stephen, we picked up on is you know when their job opening opens it's because of a, a requirement isn't it it's a need and uh, it's a need of Bingo. a particular set of skills so you know if they're looking through these applications and they've done a six-page cover letter that's just going to be really pedantic for them and they're probably just going to move on however if you put in an email bam 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 here here's my name here's part one i've worked on this before i've got this experience in revit for example please find attached by cbm portfolio um but yeah i think that's sort of the best way to sort of tackle it I, I agree. And it's, it's almost it's really interesting you brought up about the systems and algorithms, because I think the big, 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 big companies of the world, they use them systems to pull out keywords, right? Whereas what's interesting is that a small architecture practice, they do not. So it's almost like you can't rely on them picking up Revit on page three uh, when you haven't mentioned it in the covering letter and you haven't mentioned it at the start. And that's, I think, the key thing with this is that what we're on about is that the opportunity isn't going to come to you. You have to go out there and get it. Then you have to make sure it's clear and concise that they understand who you are and what you're offering. And so hopefully you will have polished the CV and the portfolio. But like we talked about a covering letter, you can add it as well. But think about the email as the quick pointer. They need to understand what you're at, who you are, where you're at. And then from there, they need to then look at your CV and portfolio and invite you in for an interview. And the title of the email is really important and the files of the email is really important. And they are the things that are going to be important. The thing is, though, it's you who is going to be the person that creates the opportunity and goes out and gets the CV and portfolio there. So you've got to think of it as a like a funnel or something. If you don't go out and create that opportunity, no matter how good the CV and portfolio is, it not not as many people are going to see it. it the more people you get to, uh, you make communication with you showcase your nice cv and portfolio statistically the more likely you're going to find jobs so we're going to say like you send it to say now you send it to 500 companies and 50 of them have jobs you might find from the other 450 that there's a hundred jobs in advertise so Instead of just going for the 50 that are advertised, you've created 150 opportunities. And then from that, from them opportunities, you might get interview requests from 10 to 20. 
right, companies. We probably from 10 to 20 companies, it varies. You could sometimes, on all this, you can send one CV and you can go to one company and you get one interview and you can get one offer. Perfect, right? That only happens every now and then. It didn't happen for me. And in recession, I can tell you it was 800 companies to 12 to 15 interviews, something like that, and and a, a lot of no's. And some of the interview requests came from after I took a job. So I remember, I think I had six or seven interviews come in at one point, all in one little area, and I had like four no's. And I was getting a bit nervous. And in the end, I got an offer. And I had to psychologically build up towards uh, there's a chance I might have to keep going out there and go again but I what I will tell you though is that the interviews that I went to which didn't go so well and I got rejected definitely definitely helped me with regards to EPR I remember I was really nervous for one interview and the, and the second interview and the third interview, so the first three. But by the fourth, fifth, and sixth, I got calmer. And there was something weird that happened in the EPR where I didn't overthink it and I was in the moment, you know? And it's, I don't know, it's like that cheesy M&M thing, but it's like, lose yourself <laughs> in the moment. And there is something about that. And I think where that comes from is doing things in time because we were even talking about it before this and it's like the first one of these that i did i'm like oh my gosh i gotta go online it's really nerve-wracking and I'm like now you over time you develop more trust in yourself that you are going to say the right things you've researched you've you've you thought about it in your heads you've hit the key points and you practice key things because what we're talking about is what we do all day every day for a living but then you trust yourself to go into the moment like this is live and we're going to say the right things and it's going to come from an honest place it's going to come from a place of experience with a level of confidence which isn't arrogance but is human you know and, and 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 i think that's the kind of thing that in an interview that comes across but to bring it we, we're going to do another one of these on interviews but what i'm trying to get to is with this is that to get that out of an interview you need to do interviews and the way you do interviews is you create opportunities by going out there and getting interviews and the best way to get interviews right now is to really get confident in your CV and portfolio and then get that message and get it out there and look where people aren't looking and also don't always judge a website you can be a company which doesn't have the best website and they might be a lovely company to work for super friendly the hours are good and you get great uh, experience if you're going to be someone that judges a book by its cover and i don't like that saying but it is a bit true of you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and you should oh gosh here we go you should think outside of the box (laughs) but in this one i want you to go like the imagine the box is the job board and if you limit yourself to just the job board you only get what's in the job board the best opportunities are ones that you find it's your connections and if you haven't got connections this is the thing we start making connections it's like, it's, like, it's like me in recruitment, it's the same in architecture. I didn't know anyone. I put myself out there. And when I started this job, you don't know anyone. And what it is is that you have to go out of your comfort zone, meet people, and learn. 
and that comes with doing it. So the best thing is almost, I feel like um, uh, there was like, um, there was like a quote, I think it was Ricky Gervais, and he was just saying that basically, in essence, he kept putting stuff off and that you can basically do anything you want. You just have to do it today. And it's a bit like this with the CV and the portfolio. You have to apply and get yourself out there and give yourself the benefit. And it's like the other thing of like dating, isn't it? Where you're like, oh my gosh, if I, well, if I ask her out and she says no, but it's like, hey, you're not, you're not on a date right now. You need to, you need to ask. It's true though, and isn't then, it? That's a, that's a really good analogy because they, the whole idea of fear of rejection with, you know, if people are applying for loads of jobs, but they're not getting anywhere, is that going to knock their confidence, which might bleed over into an interview? You know, if someone's had their confidence, will they um, show that they're not a very strong, um, confident person in an interview? Same with dating as well. If you, if you get rejected X amount of times, you're not going to probably want to go because you're going to think there's something wrong with you um and Stephen, what you were talking about before about you know the 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 rejection the failure what it actually does for you i feel like in order for you to really become a strong person at interviews or you know really um well presented person you almost have to go through that 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 rejection process first because that's when you're in your most um you know analytical like state you're learning about yourself aren't you and if you're actually taking in what employers are saying to you about why you didn't get an interview there or what you could have done better all that little thing is you know really giving you a boost down the line absolutely I think it's humbling. I mean, let me tell you, though, the first time you get rejected, it doesn't mean it feels good, right? And this is nail on the head right now, because when I didn't get a job interview at first, you're like, what have I done? Is it me? And you, and you go through that. That's very natural. And what, what happens, though, is that you realize it's for a few factors. It can be competitive. And then you almost gear yourself up. You build a bit of a thick skin because life, well, great is competitive and also tough. We know this. We're in COVID right now, right? So what you're going to do is you develop a thick skin. But to do that, you are going to be a bit vulnerable sometimes. And and you are going to get rejection. And it's not going to be nice. I remember when I – and it's not quite the job search, but in, in architecture, when you're part one, if you're going to go – after you do your year out, you've got to apply to be a part two, different unis. And so I studied at Westminster – and I didn't get into Westminster for part two. And that really hurt. And then actually, in the end, it was the best thing ever because I went to Manchester. And it was exactly the same. I had to go up to Manchester and I had to go interview it. And in my head, Will, I was like, uh-oh, this is the last one I want to go to. I've got to do it. <laughs> but then I just went into M&M mode and you go into the moment. And then I think the moment you, I started speaking from the heart and stuff, I could just tell the rapport was there and it was the same thing at the EPR interview. But um, I remember when I didn't yeah. get into Westminster, I had that, I went through them stages. I was in bed. I was like, I don't want to get out. I'm not appreciated. I'm not good enough. And you kind of do that for a little bit and then you really got to pick yourself up. So it, that's the, that's the thing of that is completely natural. My advice would be though, is that, I can't remember how long I stayed in bed, you know, in that rejection period. But let me tell you, you go through it, embrace it, and then move on. And it's just like, imagine if I felt sorry for myself and then I didn't apply to Manchester. Or imagine the first few rejections that I got, then I stopped. I wouldn't have worked in EPR, which is actually now a top 100 company. It was really, really good experience. And it was hilarious how... 
I met some smaller architecture practices and the one I went for was prestigious. But then at the same time, I got to be honest, some of the companies that I met, even though they didn't offer, there was one or two really small companies and I really appreciated the difference. And that was interesting as well to see the difference between what you can get out of a small company and a larger company. And in the end, I quite like the larger company. The thing is, though, I know so many people who go to smaller companies and they learn so much. They they have such great experience and it was enriching to go to. And if I didn't go to them interviews, I wouldn't have had it. And even though I got rejected by a few, it was still a good experience. I think one of the best ways to um, get over that rejection period is by well, when, when you start to get interviews, you start to think, well, great, I've got four interviews lined up. Likelihood is I'm going to get a job. And yes, you know, there's the potential you could get the job in one of those interviews. But um, what's important is to not stop applying. So even though you've got those four interviews lined up, you still keep applying for jobs until until basically you've accepted a job. Because the last thing you want to do is go for those four interviews and you don't get either, any of them. And then suddenly you're back to square one again. All that hard work that you've been putting in for the last two weeks, applying yeah. to all these jobs, you've stopped because you've got these interviews, you've you rest on your laurels a little bit. So it's important just to keep keep pushing. And um, when you're also ringing these companies up, uh, you know, and being polite, not every phone call is going to go as smoothly as you picture it in your head. You know, you you might you will make mistakes over the phone, particularly yeah. the first few goes. But it's you know that's human, and it's important just to keep you know ringing, keep ringing up, and don't let any um, you know if you get a bad experience over a call because someone's really busy, you know, don't take it to heart. You know, people have other things to be focused on at the moment, and you should just you know take you know move on to the next next one. And basically, just basically you're like you're like a machine, you're just gonna keep going, keep going until basically you get that job. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think also one of the other ways um, is touching a little bit back on earlier, one of the best ways to find uh, new roles other than necessarily, not new roles, but studios, not necessarily focusing on your location, but more on reading and keeping up to date with architecture news. I think that's a really Very good, good one because not only does that increase your knowledge of the industry in general, which makes a better makes for a better conversation in an interview, uh, it also reveals certain studios who's won what projects, what projects are being got, got planning granted, for example. And those are the types of studios you should ring up and say, you know, well done. Um, I'm a part one. Just, do you have any room for me to help out on this particular project that you've just, you know, really good idea. Granted, plan granted for. That's so, so yeah. So yeah, I would, um, I would focus on not just distance, but keeping up to date with architecture in general. Cause uh, again, even the interviews as well, you won't ace every interview. I mean, I think the first interview that I ever went to when I was um, looking for a job, I wasn't particularly keen on the company, but I thought, well, I've not been to an interview yet. The worst, uh, the worst thing that could happen is me not get the job, but at the same time, I'm not really fussed. I'm doing it for the experience so that I, in the next interview, if I do get a company that I really like, then I have a better chance of acing that interview. And, um, and to be honest as well, a lot of interviews, kind of going to interviews a little bit at the moment, I'm going to try and stay away from it but um you know even if you have a really good interview it's all about just having that rapport with that person not every interview is going to go exactly how you wanted to to and it all depends on the personality of the other individual really so you know take take all the feedback uh and basically improve yourself for next time and just keep going and don't necessarily let any rejections you know go to heart and just keep moving forwards
I, lo- I, lo- I love that. And um, I think you, what your idea there, Will, of talking about a current event, what a beautiful way to write that into an email. I am so, so I'm a part two assistant. Um, I saw your practice because I understand that you've you've now, uh, your scheme has gone through planning, which is fantastic. I'm available immediately and I can use Revit and I would love to be part of this project. Or maybe there's another project in, in the office that you you see me on. You Here's my CV portfolio and my contact details. What a great way. And, and, and this is the kind of theme of it because uh, it, there's some obstacles right now to the COVID. It will always change, but like a life lesson. And there's a similar thing with networking and the power of meeting people. And for instance, well, remember we were at SOM's office and we oh, yeah. met that chap. Remember I had a nice chat with him and he was out and eager and looking for a job. And he made such a good, uh, um, per, uh, he made such a good impression that I actually sent him a message and he found a job, but I think Zaha Hadid's. So he really went straight, you know, stratospheric. Point is though, remember, well, he was out hustling in this really friendly way, looked really professional and he was there and he was the balance between, he was hungry for the opportunity and, but he was also pleasant, engaging, but he was present. He was there. He was ready to go. And it makes such a great impression. yeah, sorry, I got one delivery, one second, but there you go. <laughs> Opportunity's yes. knocking on the door. <laughs> well, that point um, that you brought up about, you know, like if you know that they've won a project or yeah. if you know that, that I think that's really that really good we should expand on that a bit uh, what i like as well because you know even if you get like rejected from say like you you do what you say and you know that x company has just won a project so you say oh can you actually send a project here's my portfolio and cv and then they come back to you and say oh yeah we might probably fill the role or we, we just have too much capacity i think that in itself will separate someone massively from the crowd because not only are they displaying you know required skills for the job but they're actually showing them how serious they're looking into the market you know yeah it's that market thing isn't it that really i don't know what your thoughts are but for me it really you know it shows that they're engaged with architecture and um, i think that's important because i think a lot of people um you know for most architects they do it because they're passionate about um architecture in general you know they they enjoy doing it um but there's a distinct difference between being passionate about it and then also engaging with the industry because i think the more you engage with the industry the better your understanding overall uh, becomes particularly as well i think a lot of I've heard from a lot of part ones or part twos, people who've been at university and not had any work experience. It's very different going from, you know, from university and then getting that professional experience. The the two environments are very different. And so it's important to be engaged with architecture because then it it improves your, it, it looks like you know what you're talking about a lot of the time and it can obviously increase the chances of you making a good impression. And like Steve was saying about this person we were speaking to at one of the events, you know, it makes you stand out. If that person sent the CV through, we'd never... It would, he would they would never have stood out as much as they had done at that particular event so it's um you know it's it's important to be you know not only active online by approaching studios virtually but then going to once things start to reopen again going to these events going to the reba events any social any social events that's related to architecture where there could be employers and it doesn't even matter if there aren't any employers there if you've got other architects there you're socializing with them you're finding out about their company and you could potentially get referred over because you, they could be like well 
I know my company's hiring. Do you want me to put in a good word for you? And then that's where, you know, you're able to get a job that way or at least an interview that way. So it's, yeah. um, it's about covering all aspects and not just focusing on one area because, um, you know, you're limiting your chances. It's better to be proactive and cover as much ground as possible. That's why it's called face value, isn't it? Like it's never, you never hear like the term phone value or anything by going out there and actually getting face to face with these people is probably the best way to sort of stick in their head rather than just, you know, sending an occasional email or, um, you know, calling them up. So 100%. We're all human. And it's like now, remember we were, I, I remember well, I had a little joke and a giggle with you before because I was like, there's a chance Amazon's going to come doing. But I think the thing is, as long as we're professional, we're all human, right? And the thing is, it's almost like even on the phone, if you, if you say who you are, what you're about and just go, um, look, I'm really excited, and a little bit nervous, but do you know what? I'd love to talk to you about my CV and portfolio. It's okay to be human as long as we're professional about it and embracing life and embracing all this stuff and ringing someone up and asking a question. And it goes back to your point, Jack, of like maybe at the end of it, you go, do you know what? I understand there's no job here right now, and but I respect your practice and you. And I know you're busy, but it would mean the world to me if I can get just two minutes of your feedback on the phone now. If you were me, and see you putting you putting them in your shoes, when I realize you're part one, what do you think the best thing I can do is right now? Do you think the CV portfolio is okay? Or, or is there any feedback you'd say for the next application? And if you do that, I guarantee by being a human being as well, you're going to get a little bit of insight. And it's because there's a there's a fine balance between you're still retaining professionalism, but it's okay to ask for how you just gotta you just gotta gotta you gotta micromanage the your expect you gotta do it in a way that you ask for a little bit of help and you make it quick and easy for them. You can't expect for someone to write an essay. You can't expect for them to write back. That is unfortunately unpractical. But what you can do is you and they're probably not gonna reply in an email. And this is the big thing. It's like if you say in an email, I'd love to get massive feedback, then the chances are that's too much work. It reminds me when I did an essay my dissertation and I asked the company to give me loads of information and they were, they were on board with me coming there and asking them questions. But then I remember I got lazy and I wrote to them loads of questions in the email and they never replied well. And it's the same thing of if you ring up and you're human and you make it really quick and easy for them by, by respecting them, respecting their opinion, just go can I have one minute of your time right now to say what's your quick thoughts on what you would keep or change on the CV because that one minute would mean the world to me. Absolutely. And then I think if you do that and you pause and you be brave and you let them speak, then you'll probably get an answer. Yeah, you'll, ne- you'll never get feedback really uh, via email unless it's just a simple, no, we're not looking anymore. You'll never get constructive feedback unless it's over the phone because they're there talking to you now. They might as well give you a quick 30-second uh, feedback. And so that's the best way to do it. Also, one other thing that we've not really talked about yet that I do want to just bring up as well is that as a part one or someone with very little professional experience, the best place for you to approach are employers as opposed to recruitment agencies, because recruitment agencies generally are focused on people with prior professional experience because they've been tasked to find 
specific uh, a specific set of skills, which is quite often um, difficult to find in someone like as a part one. So it's always best to focus your time and effort directly to employers because um, yeah yeah. Uh, do you anything have anything to add to that, Steve? So no, you you you're you're correct. So a typical role. So at McDonald and Company, where we work on the recruitment team, there will be teams in an office, and let's say it's a healthcare team and we will be tasked with finding someone who has worked on projects which are healthcare hospitals and that uses certain software and because that's really hard to find and the requirements to fit the team and niche that's where we're involved whereas a graduate they are at the entry level and a graduate you're basically learning from the ground up you have an awful lot of value to add However, you could fit on a healthcare team as you could fit on a residential team as uh, you could fit on a commercial team. And you could learn technical stages or you could learn front end. So there is no – I'm not needed to get involved. And that's the thing. So like now, I'd rather pass on the words of wisdom. And, and when you get further in your career and you're looking for – particular things you're looking for a step up or or you, you're looking for an architectural practice which is going to give you a good quality work-life balance or maybe you want to move cities or maybe you want to ask me the right place for your career then we can do that at that point in the short term though you have to approach companies directly and get that first entrance into the industry yourself. And I'd love to help. And that's why we're, we're doing these to give you guys the maximum amount of value and the amount of resources that I can to get you on that first part of your journey. And, you know, we can always keep in touch with, with us all now, but that's the best way to go. So at this, at this juncture right now, it's about, Looking at the the, vehicle, the 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 two other ones that we've done on this, looking at all the resources and learning together, improving on CVs and portfolios, sharing each other's failures, and and also being proud when someone gets a job, because you know jealousy doesn't carry uh, it doesn't it doesn't do anyone well. So actually, together by doing it all together and pooling resources and learning, you're increasing your chances of getting the job. And we, and, you, and we can do it together. So I think that's the best way. So, and and actually it's stuff like the social, what I like about the Arctic social is some really, really smart people in the community. And the thing is, it's like anything else. I'm available, you're available. The thing is though, you have to get involved and you have to bring it. And it's the same kind of attitude that we're talking now about employers, that the people in their careers, their architectural careers that bring it, people who are present in the office, people who are engaged in on the architecture social, they're going to get more attention. They're going to get more conversation and go further in their career. It's the way of life. So that's my challenge is that treat the architecture social exactly like your job hunt. The more engaged you are, the more on there, the more you're talking, A, you might make friends. B, there's already one or two employers starting to be on there. And as well as that, you're going to soak up the resources, go out there and feel pumped up and you can do it. And you'll get a good job out of it. 
So that's kind of my thoughts. It's like engage with the job process, engage with the social, engage with people who are looking with you. Don't hide almost your job applications. Embrace it with each other. I remember uh, I, I give my my best friend, we were sharing lists of where we applied with uh, each other. And it's because there's no point doing that because you know what? They're going to hire the person who fits the bill and and who is the right fit. And if the more engaged and the more you're out there, the more you show you. And guess what? The ideal scenario is you see a few practices and then you get a choice of where you want to work. And that would be a great position to, to talk about. And we could talk about that down the line. But for me, I'd kind of like to leave on this high note that we're at of, of going out there and creating opportunity and creating opportunity is by participating. It's talking with people on the social, it's ringing practices up. It's being on LinkedIn, not waiting for the conversation to come to you though. It's being on there. The best person that's going to start it is you, you doing research, you getting on the phone, finding out what events are on, finding out what companies are on planning, uh, 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 projects have gone through planning, and speaking to people, friends and colleagues, and moving out there. Because what I would love is even even now, we're starting on the social, we're seeing people posting and talking about jobs opportunities and applying for it and giving feedback and letting them know when they've got a job and when they haven't. And, and I think that really is the takeaway. So you've got to take things, you've got to seize the moment, you've got to go for it. And so, and do you know what? I'm going to put it actually on the social at the end of it. I'm going to put a question about where people are at with their job search. And I'm also going to say about, uh, talk about any rejections and also talk about when, when, when someone's got a job. Because someone did message me yesterday that they got a job. And, and I remember thinking we should celebrate that. So let's all do it together. Let's all get involved. But remember, you you have to put yourself out there with all the will in the world you can have all the support but you are going to be the driving force and do you know what you can get that job you just have to go out there and do it so put yourself out there get rejected keep going keep going keep going talk get involved don't be afraid to pick up the phone you know, that old, um, you know that old expression that says good things come to those who wait i think it's the opposite when it comes to this topic isn't it like yeah things will not come to you don't it wait it's the opposite yeah good things come to make those it, yeah get up and go <laughs> make your own luck i think that's a close to do you know there's a quote in a book i read and it was a famous tennis player and they said wow um you're very lucky and he said something along the lines of do you know what the more i practice the luckier i get and it's going to be the same like this. People go, wow, you're lucky to get a part one job. Well, guess what? You sent your application out to hundreds of places. You went for interviews and not everyone took you on board. Uh, no, you, you got turned down. But you know what? You got there in the end. And then you can go down the pub with your mates and they'll go, God, you're lucky to get a job in COVID. And it ain't luck. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard skill. Absolutely. Everyone, everyone, in our, everyone who's working in architecture has been rejected in an interview from an application before but you know they've still got a job because they continue to graft and you know and seize that moment make make their own luck so it's important just to keep keep um, keep pushing with your search no matter how much rejections you get you get some you know constructive feedback you might not get any feedback but it's important just to keep going and keep persevering along the way and then share your stories with everyone because you'll probably find that everyone else is ex- experiencing exactly the same as you so you're not not on your own i love it and so okay 
I want to hear back from how everyone's search is going. And I think we'll leave it on that note. So be out there. Listen to what Will said. Listen to what Jack said and me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be available. I'm on LinkedIn. But more importantly, message me on the social. Message me. Get in touch. I want to hear how the job search is going. Message us and let us know. And in the meantime, I'm going to open up my Amazon package. And Jack's going to be stopped by getting nagged by whoever's nagging him in the background. We're all going to <laughs> hop on with our real life as well and keep going. But I think that's nice. We've been an hour. So Good thank time. you, everyone who was in, in the joined us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, I'd love to hear your feedback and comments. Thank you, Jack, for hosting us. Thank you, Will, for uh, coming as well. But I tell you what, <laughs> you've been static for half of it. It's like a picture with the sound. That's because uh, my pixels don't pick up me moving. <laughs> no, don't worry. And thank you to Amazon for bringing my new chopping board. And I can't remember what the other thing is, but I will let you know. I think it's, I think it's clothes hangers. So thanks, guys. <laughs> Exciting. I, should we leave it there? We, we'll end oh, them out yeah. now. Thank you yeah, so much. Let them go. Thanks, guys. Have a nice Take week. Care. Thank bye you, bye. everyone. Thanks, everyone.